Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Um, I am excited for tonight. Um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, like Elisha mentioned, we were talking about um, this thing called Sabbath rest. Um, this rest that was de- that is designed and commanded by God, and it only happens when we can unplug, when we can slow down, when we can take a deep breath and and truly spend time with God and let ourselves just be. It's something that we were created for. It's something that we need. And so we talked about practices and how to do that, and we certainly hope that us not talking about it as much from stage means, we hope that that doesn't mean that you just stop thinking about it. Um, But tonight, what we want to do is uh, move into a series that we are simply calling The Lord, The Lord, which is taken um, right from the passage that Paige just read wonderfully. Great job, Paige. Uh, And it is a passage in which um, the Lord, the creator of the universe, tells Moses his name. And it's not the first time that he says his name, um, but it is the first time that we get it with this description of his character. And it had me thinking just about names in general, um, like just kind of, that they're just kind of weird, that they're, that they're interesting, like not weird in a bad way, that they're just these funny things, like that, like that there is just this massive history of like why we name things and how we name things and like the meaning of names and like that there's like thousands, well, not even thousands, like millions of names currently used in the world, right? Like most of them or a lot of them, not in the languages that you and I speak, but like even with your name, like you might have a name, like has anyone in here ever met someone that doesn't uh, or have you ever... What's the best way to ask this question? You've never met someone that has your name. Anybody? Kinsley, really? Okay, that's interesting. I would have thought, that's so fun. Makanaga, that makes sense. You have a very cool name. Okay, yeah, Bill, (laughs) you're lying. Uh, Brent, okay, okay, so there's a couple, okay, uh, most of you are just like, mm, yeah, you're lying. Um, okay, but like, so Eve, so for most of us, right, even though there is someone that shares your name, right, it is still something that is unique to you because there's not another you with your name, right? And, and it's just kind of interesting because like, and this is a lost on us a little bit when, like in the United States, but like, in much of the history of the world, and certainly even still today in a lot of cultures in the world, names carry a significant weight and meaning, right? Depending on what your name is, somebody would know um, where you're from. They would know your family. They might, your name might reveal your status. Your name might reveal what you do for a living. It might even uh, allude to like something that you've done because in a certain culture, your name was changed because of something, an accomplishment that you achieved, right? Names have this certain interesting weight to them. And it, it, it's just funny to kind of think about it. And, and then there's also kind of the, uh, a different part of names, which is like when you are talking to somebody and then you're like, oh, I should know your name. And boy, I don't know it, right? And you feel bad because it's like, maybe it's the first time 
and it's fine. And you're just like, you're gonna have to tell me your name again, which is like the worst phrase in the world to say. Like it's, you just feel so bad. But then like, if it happens more than one time, you just begin to feel even more terrible. And then, so you try and do whatever you do to like cover it up. Or you're like, how do you spell that? And they're like, B-I-L-L. You're like, okay, so traditional spelling. Good, 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 good. Like, you just try and do like whatever you can, right? To like figure it out. And it just never goes good. And they're like, you don't remember my name. And you're like, ah, sorry. But it's like, why? Like, why do we feel so terrible when we don't forget, when we don't remember someone's name? Because names are important. Names are important. Like, you might have a 10-minute conversation with somebody. And in that conversation, they would share all kinds of random facts with you about their life. And you could forget half of them. And the next time that you talk to them, you like won't even reference those things because you don't even remember them because you didn't remember them five minutes after the conversation. But if at some point something is referenced where you're like, I also don't remember your name, that's different, right? It's way different than remembering some other facts because names are important, right? To to know someone's name is to know a pretty personal thing about them. It's a personal thing for someone to know your name and for you to know their name, right? I don't know if you've maybe you've been in this kind of situation where you're talking with somebody, you've got, it's been a good conversation. It's the conversation's naturally wrapping up. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know their name. Maybe you just didn't ask or they like didn't say, or it just didn't happen or something. And you're like, oh my gosh, And so you have a moment of crisis where you're like, do I need another name? Do I just walk away and be like, wow, that was a great conversation. I have no idea who that person is, right? And you like, so, but you know all these facts about them, but you're still like, I don't know who they are. And so then you have to kind of like make it your little mission to be like, what's what's your name? Right? And then you're like, oh, you did tell me and you forgot. Then you feel really bad, but hopefully they didn't. And then you're just like, great, good to meet you. You know, and you hopefully maybe it's a new friendship or something. Like names are important, that's what I'm getting at, right? And I'm saying this like, like, because you have a name. We all have names, duh, right? And, and like your name or not, it was given to you and that name is you. Now, your name is not the most true foundational thing about you. What I think is the most true foundational thing about you is that you were made in the image of God. But the math still adds up because God has a name too. And God's name isn't God. And, it's an, and, and, and God having a name has some serious implications for the way that you and I live our lives. And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks in Exodus chapter 34. But before we do that, which is the passage you just heard read, but before we do that, we actually need to go back to the first time that God tells Moses his name in Exodus chapter 3. And it's a story that a lot of you are are probably familiar with. Even if you haven't grown up in church at all, you probably know this story might at least sound a little bit familiar to you. But here's the backstory. Israel has been enslaved in Egypt for a very, 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 very long time. God hears their cries and decides to send a deliverer to get them out of slavery in Egypt. He sends a guy named Moses who coincidentally was raised in Egypt, but fled Egypt when he killed an Egyptian slave master. And he was like, I gotta go. So he goes into the desert. He meets a lady. They have a family. He starts working as a shepherd. And one day, 
he is tending to his father-in-law's flock when all of a sudden, well, in the movie, the Prince of Egypt, the sheep runs off and it goes into a little cave and that's where the bush is. But in the Bible, we just see that suddenly Moses comes across this bush that is on fire, but is not being consumed. It's not, it's not falling apart. It's not being burnt up. And so Moses is like, that's crap. That, that's crazy, right? So he goes and he looks a little closer and he's like, what is going on? And out of the bush comes the voice of the Lord. And it says, Moses. I was like, here I am. As you would when a bush talks to you. Uh, I don't know how I would respond, but I'd be like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And the voice of the Lord goes, to, goes on to tell Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And God goes, to, goes on and says, Moses, I have something for you to do. I want you to go back into Egypt and deliver my people from slavery under Pharaoh. So Moses is like, that is the last place that I wanted to go, actually. God, I just left and I would love to not go back. So he has some objections. He is afraid and him and God kind of start to go back and forth. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter three, when... God asks, or Moses asks this question to God. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And it's here of all places that God gives Moses his name. Moses asks. So God's like, okay, I'll tell you. And it's interesting because like, I don't know if the Israelites, like, I don't think that they would have had like an answer. Like Moses could have, probably could have been like, I don't know, what is his name? And they're like, you got us. Uh, I don't know. But Moses, God gives Moses the answer. And so God's in verse 14, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So what is God's name? Well, in English and in first person, it is I am who I am. In ancient Hebrew, fun fact, it is Eye Asher Eye. So put another way, God's name is whatever I am, I will be. Meaning whatever God is like, he is that way always. He is steady, he is unchanging, he is reliable. And so you might have a cool nickname, but it's probably not as cool as this, right? And so then you have that, if we can get verses 14 and 15 up on, or 15 and back up on screen, you have that capitalized Lord that you've probably seen in your Bible where it's like, the capitalized, but it's like the same size as the rest of your scripture. Like if you look, read in the Psalms a lot, that it's all up in there and it's like all caps, but then it's the same size as like lowercase. You're like, what's going on? Well, that's a good question. That is God's name, but in third person. And it's how, essentially it's how you and I would say it. And though in your Bibles, it's almost always translated just as the Lord, it is the name Yahweh which is maybe something that you've heard. 
Yahweh, the name of our God. So in first person, if it's whatever I am, I will be. In third person, whatever he is, he will be. And so our God's name is not God, nor is it Lord. But many times that's what our Bibles have, the Lord, when you see it capitalized like that. If it's not capitalized, it's a different word. But when it's capitalized like that, it's saying Yahweh. But usually that's what it is. And part of it, and a large, that, that is due in large part to the fact that the Hebrew people, when they were given the 10 commandments, they were trying to honor them faithfully. One of which is you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. And so they were like loophole, let's just not use it at all. And so they started to essentially kind of come up with these code names or nicknames instead of saying Yahweh. And so they would just call God these, these other different names. And so that's why we have the Lord. Long story short, to not get into like too much of the weeds, you know. So they would call Yahweh these other names. But, but ultimately, God has one name. He has many titles. There are many things that are true about him but one name, Yahweh. That, who, that is who he has revealed himself to be to us. And this is how he reveals himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 34. Now a lot happens between Exodus chapter three and Exodus chapter 34. And if we had more time, we could get into it all. I mean, it's the plagues and the 10 commandments and crossing the Red Sea and bread from heaven and the golden calf. And there's a lot that happens. But primarily what we see is we see God showcase over and over and over again what he is about to make much more clear to Moses and in turn to you and me. See, this passage in Exodus 34 is kind of like the John 3.16 of ancient Israel. It is all over the Old Testament. It is directly or indirectly referenced all over over the place. In fact, it is the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible. So that means that a lot of the other biblical authors, they point back to this passage all the time and are like, yeah, this is a huge deal. This is a very significant thing. And so then we pick up in Exodus chapter 34 in this aftermath of Israel having just received the 10 commandments, and then immediately breaking the first three by building a golden calf. It's just like, so dumb. Like just, they can't even hold together for like a day. And I know, I'm sure I couldn't either, but golly, that was quick. It just feels really fast. And so Moses goes back up Mount Sinai to meet with God again, to reform the tablets that he had been given in the first place because Moses broke them in his righteous anger when he came down he was like, what is this? I just told you guys this was a big one that we don't do, right? And he was mad. So he goes back up there because Yahweh is not down there at the bottom of the mountain able to be formed by melting down some earrings and some jewelry, right? That's not Yahweh. No, he is up here. He is in the cloud. He is glorious beyond our understanding. He is creative and powerful and majestic beyond our ability to comprehend. And what does this God, this Yahweh say to Moses? Does he say, I am Yahweh, bow down or die? 
I am Yahweh and I don't care about you. Do what you want. You're too, you are significant, you are insignificant to me. You are nothing. No. Verse five says this, then the Lord Yahweh came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Okay, I don't want you to get lost in that last part about God punishing children and children's children, okay? It's one of those things that you read it and you're like, this seems opposite of the first part of this. And I promise you, it's not. It is still good. It is still kind. And we're gonna talk about it in a couple of weeks. So keep coming, hang in there. And I promise we're gonna talk about it. Just don't have time right now, but it's good. So God has a name, right? It's not God, it's Yahweh. And what that name means is that our God is the one who is and who will be. God's existence, God's character, God's identity, it isn't dependent on anyone or anything else. This God simply is, and he is holy, like the song that we were just singing said. Because at different points in interactions with him, right? God asks Moses to take his shoes off. This is holy ground and your shoes are dirty. At a different point when, when God, or when Moses asks to see God's glory, God says, okay, go over there in that rock, turn around. And then when I say, you can turn, you can kind of peek out and you can see my back. Because if you saw me in my full, holy gloriousness, you would not be able to handle it. He is never not holy. He is never not compassionate or gracious or slow to anger or loving or faithful or loyal or gracious or true or just or whatever else he says he is. Why? Because he has a name. His name is whatever he is, he will be forever and always. So what does this mean for you and me? Maybe that's the question you're asking. You're like, great, dude. What does it mean for you and me? First, it means we aren't God. Because Lord knows we're all over the place. You are not always compassionate. I didn't need to tell you that. I am not always forgiving. We are not always kind or loving or just. Right? I can be 10 different things in 10 different minutes, right? I am not God. You are not God. Thank God. We are terrible gods. When we put ourselves in the position of God in our life, what most often happens? Not usually anything great. Maybe something good for a while, might feel good for a while, but usually just leads to pain and numbness. And if you've lived life at all, you probably know this. This also means that when we try to make other things the gods in our lives, that usually doesn't work out too well either because those things don't last, i.e. the golden calf. So what is given the most attention, time, energy, money, devotion in your life? Because that might be your God. How is that working out for you? Do you feel like you are fulfilled 
like your life has joy, like it has meaning, or does something need to change? And if it does, if you're honest with yourself and you say, yeah, then why not tonight? Why wait? Why wait? So it means we aren't God. It also means God's not us. I like this quote um, that I came across. It says this, you may be tempted to believe that God has changed because your circumstances have, but if that were the case, he wouldn't be God. He'd be you. When life is challenging, when you're stressed, when, when someone hurts you, when you feel regret, when you feel alone or misunderstood, when you are exhausted, when things aren't going your way, how do you respond to God in those moments? Are you mad at him? Have you forgotten him? Do you think he's forgotten you? Do you think he's left you? Do you think, how could you do this? Those might be legitimate questions if God were like us, but he's not. He's not gone anywhere. He is infinitely more patient and faithful and steady and loyal and loving and forgiving and compassionate toward you than you are toward him or than you are toward even yourself. And I don't mean to just throw a Jesus blanket over whatever you might be experiencing, but that is the reality. And none of this is meant to like shame you into thinking, cool, I suck, thanks, Tyler. Like that's not, like there is no room for shame in the church. There is no room for shame in your heart. There is no room for shame in the heart of God, right? And any lies that you may believe that lead you to feel shame can just go back to where they came from. H double hockey sticks, if you know what I'm saying, okay? Get them out of here, okay? But the reality is this that without God, we do suck and we are terrible and we need help. And that's true for you and for me and for Moses and for David and for Esther and for Paul and for Mother Teresa and for Mr. Freaking Rogers, okay? It's true, it's everybody. As good as you might think somebody is. But that isn't the end of the story because with Yahweh, it is never the end of the story because you and I aren't waiting at the bottom of a mountain, hoping that things are going good up there and we don't get smited. We don't have to wonder what God is like. Why? Because he has revealed himself to us because he came down, not just in a tent or a temple, but in human skin because Jesus is the perfect embodiment of God's character in Exodus 34, because Jesus is God. About Jesus, John says this in John chapter one, and the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory full on, don't have to, no more rocks. Glory is of the only begotten father from the father, full of grace and truth. For of his fullness, we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth realized through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, on repeat till glory. 
God is infinitely holy, owes you nothing, and has given us all we could possibly ever need. And so what's the challenge to you? It's to know God and to be known by God. To let him in, maybe for the first time, or maybe you kind of push him out, lock the door, and it's time to let him back in. The challenge is to see that you aren't God, that you're not even close, and that's really good news. The challenge is to see that the most perfect, holy being in the universe came down and died a horrible death and then was raised to life so that you and I could be invited forever into his glorious kingdom. Grace upon grace. Our God has a name. His name is Yahweh. Whatever he is, he will be. And he wants to know you. Will you know him? Will you let him in? And will you at least just begin to see how good and holy he is? And that can change things. Because then suddenly it's not just thinking about me all the time because I can get my eyes off of me and look at something that's actually steady and reliable in my life. And so that's what you're invited into. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we're gonna, that we're gonna keep talking about until this building falls apart. And we hope that you'll be here for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you that you are good and holy beyond our wildest dreams. And then where we just can't get it together, you keep us close and you hold us. Father, thank you for who you are. We love you and we trust you. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.